0: Listeners to season five, episode 14 of Drinking and Screaming, a queer and feminist podcast about horror movies and cocktails. We're so sorry we're late. We were feeling under the weather, and now we're delayed in getting a COVID test. Hopefully, it's not COVID, but we're self isolating just in case. But I'm Char, and my pronouns are she, they. And I'm Kelly,
1: and my pronouns are they, them.
0: And this week, we are continuing our Candle Night celebration by watching Better Watch Out from 2016. But first, we have an inspired cocktail creation that we made to match the mood and themes of the movie. So we made this drink to be... Both
1: childish and a little dangerous.
0: Whoa! This episode will contain discussion on home invasions, spiders, suicide, self-harm, torture, and sexual assault. So if any of these things are something that you need to not hear about today, feel free to skip this episode, and we'll see you next time.
1: So I made the drink today. Yeah, you did. And by made, I mean very made made
0: you did it all this is impressive people. yeah this is impressive
1: so the cocktail name is shot by a kid <laughs> <laughs> um and for our uh, christmas dinner in a couple days i made uh <laughs> i made candy cane vodka yeah you did because i'm going to make uh candy cane martinis because i found a low fodmap Recipe for that. Um, So this is actually vodka that has been infused with candy canes with a little bit of vanilla. And rather than, you know, wait for Christmas.
0: (laughs) We get a sneak
1: peek. Yeah. And I know my mom is listening. So, haha, we got to drink it before you. I'm
0: taking a sip.
1: It is in a shot glass. I didn't put anything else in it. So we can just try what it tastes like. So it is just in a shot glass. I would highly recommend just sipping it. Do not shoot this.
0: This tastes like... A Christmas cookie. It is so pepperminty and like the vanilla really comes through, which Ooh. is I was surprised to taste. I was about to say here to taste how much vanilla actually comes through with that. It it this first sip of it, like when it hits your tongue, it's basically the candy cane that really c- hits you. But then there's the burn after yeah. that is the vodka.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's really good. I was a this kind- is great. I don't know why I was kind of afraid it would almost be like watered down a little bit, which doesn't make sense. But for some reason, I feel like putting vanilla extract into a cocktail gives it a weird flavor. (laughs) But this, yeah, it just tastes like sucking on a candy cane that's been set on fire. Yeah. How Um, would you make this? uh, So it is whatever vodka you want. Um, Just take a whole dang thing of vodka and put about eight candy canes in it. And then leave it in a cupboard for about four days, just shaking once in a while until everything's dissolved. And because Which I'm, for
0: us, it dissolves so fast.
1: Oh, yeah. It dissolved. In like, like a day. And uh, what I did is I actually filtered it through a coffee filter because I wanted to make sure that it was extra pure and there was Ooh. no sediment or anything like that. Um, and then put about a tablespoon, or no, a teaspoon. Put about a teaspoon of vanilla extract in there, shake it up, and then serve it whenever.
0: And this is served uh, neat. It is not chilled.
1: Yeah. So we're going to do martinis, which is like a bunch of other stuff mixed uh, with ice, which I can talk about later because I haven't made it yet. So I don't actually know what's in it. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, this turned out really good. Yeah. I would dare say like you could even use like flavored candy canes if you wanted, if you have like a favorite flavor I know they come in like cherry ones cherry
0: candy canes are fucking great and I think it would make a great uh, vodka but I don't think it would feel as Christmassy
1: yeah I think I liked the blue raspberry ones those ones really good
0: I've never had one like that yeah
1: it's blue and tastes like raspberry I don't know why they decided (laughs) at some point in human society that raspberry had to be blue I guess there's already strawberry and cherry yes
0: exactly too many reddish pinkish things yeah New flavor, color.
1: It's also weird that this is orange.
0: <laughs> it's not red. <laughs> I thought for some
1: reason it would turn red, but it is in fact orange.
0: Yep, yep. So I'm but, gonna enjoy sipping on that for this yes, episode. Very good. We have a very special Patreon shout out today Ooh. Uh, because Nicholas G. messaged us on the Patreon and just filled our hearts with joy, saying that they loved to support the show and they were having a blast listening. And thank you so much. G. You know, that made our day. Heartwarming. So I'm giving you an extra special shout out. But of course, all of our patrons deserve some love. So thank you so much to Roxanne B, Ollie A, Diana S, Aiden T, Jackie V, Jacob M, Redhead Rebellion, Colleen D, Cat K, Les Represent Podcast, and Aubrey L. I hope you all have a lovely candle nights.
1: Make yourself some candy cane vodka. It was easy.
0: (laughs) Like what Kelly described sounds pretty easy. If it was me, I would probably even skip the filtering process. My God. (laughs) (laughs) So this week we watched Better Watch Out, which premiered on September 22nd, 2016, written by Chris Peckover with a story by Zach Kahn, directed by Chris Peckover and edited by Julie Ann Deruvo. I apologize in advance because these are Australian names coming up, and I feel like I may mispronounce some of them. It stars Olivia DeJange as babysitter and final girl Ashley, Levi Miller as young teen turned psychopath Luke, and Ed Oxenbould as misguided friend (laughs) and co-conspirator Garrett. This synopsis was written by an anonymous user on IMDb, and in fact, it is the full film synopsis. So here we go. On Christmas Eve in an unnamed suburbia, 17-year-old Ashley is busy babysitting the precocious 12-year-old Luke. Luke has romantic feelings for Ashley and attempts unsuccessfully to seduce her while watching a horror movie. Strange happenings outside put Ashley on edge, but it ultimately appears to be just Luke's best friend, Garrett, who has stopped by to hang out. Hearing a window break upstairs, the trio find a brick, inscribed with you leave and you die spelled with a U. <laughs> Garrett panics and runs out the back door but is killed by an unknown shooter shocked Ashley and Luke run upstairs and hide in the attic Ashley almost breaks her neck from a fall but Luke catches her and after they run into Luke's room and hide in his closet a masked intruder armed with a shotgun walks into the room Suddenly, Ashley recognizes the mask as one of Luke's and yanks it off the intruder's head, revealing Garrett unharmed. Ashley realizes that Luke was planning to further seduce her by scaring her. Angered, she slanders Luke, calling him mental and saying he needs therapy and tries to leave while at the top of the stairs, Luke smacks her with his gun, causing her to fall down the stairs and be knocked unconscious. He binds Ashley with duct tape and forces her to play truth or dare. A little later... Ashley's boyfriend, Ricky, arrives at the house after receiving a text message by Ashley earlier. But of course, this wasn't actually Ashley, but Luke using her phone. When Ricky fails to find Ashley, he realizes that something is wrong. And Luke tries to knock him out, but fails because, you know, he's 12. <laughs> after killing Luke, nearly killing Luke, Ricky is threatened by Garrett with the shotgun. Luke knocks him out and they tie him up beside Ashley. While Ashley uses a shard of glass to cut her binds, Luke tries to show Garrett what happens if you actually hit someone in the head with a swinging paint can, similar to the scene from Home Alone. Luke tries to demonstrate with Ricky, but misses the first swing. Ashley gets freed and threatens Luke with the pistol. He drops the paint can and kills Ricky. When Ashley realizes the gun is unloaded, she tries to escape to a group of carolers outside. But of course, Luke uses a brick tossed through the window upstairs to knock her out again before she can alert them. After tying up Ashley again, Luke calls Ashley's ex-boyfriend, Jeremy, played by Stranger Things actor Dacre Montgomery, by the way, to come over to the house, claiming that she wants him to write an apology letter. While Jeremy does so, Luke hangs him from a tree, making the apology look like a suicide note. He kills Garrett for trying to free Ashley as well. Luke then stabs Ashley in the neck and stages the scene to frame Jeremy for all of the killings. He then goes to bed and waits for the return of his parents, who arrive finding the bodies, contact the police. And it is then revealed that Ashley managed to stick some duct tape over the stab wound to stop the bleeding. She survived and Luke watches from his bedroom window as she gives him the finger before being wheeled into the ambulance. In a mid credit scene, the evil and scheming Luke tells his mom that he is worried about Ashley and wants to go to the hospital to see if she's okay. Dun, dun,
1: dun. Dun, dun, dun.
0: I love that that was like a pretty intense play-by-play, but it totally glossed over the sexual assault scene. Yeah. And I didn't include that in my uh, notes, but now I'm going to have to talk <laughs> about it because it wasn't brought up at all. I mean, it <laughs> said
1: precocious in the beginning, which is always what like people call their shitty kid.
0: Yeah yeah whatever hit me with that trailer audio wanna put her in the mood watch your
1: horror movie dude she's like twice our age I really don't think it's gonna happen she's here
0: okay that started out so great i was in my head i was like yes they're making it totally seem like the home invasion is the whole plot they were even like reusing scenes and like audio in scenes that didn't include extra lines to make it seem like the boyfriend was coming and doing it and then they ruined it. <laughs> then they just said, "No, it's the kid, look,
1: it's the kid." I mean, they it looked like they tried to make it like the kid caught the actual killer, but then was torturing him or something like that. But uh yeah, they a lot of people in the comments of that said that don't don't watch the trailer, just watch the movie cuz it's pretty good. Yeah. And they feel bad for people that watch the trailer.
0: Damn. The one thing that
1: it had going for it was that it had like people getting hit in the movie set to the the music which is pretty cool. Yep. Uh but yeah, that is 100%. Also there were so many cusses, so I don't know where that trailer actually played.
0: Oh. Cuz they couldn't
1: show that on TV.
0: Right. There were a lot of fucks.
1: So it must have been either in a movie theater that was before a movie that was a higher rating. It had it would have to be rated R because PG-13 would only be one fuck. <laughs> um or it was only online. In which case, that's kind of weird. I don't know. But uh, yeah, that was a bad trailer. <laughs>
0: but it did. My thing that I would say that it did well was it did make me want to see it if I hadn't seen it already of like, it's a thriller. It's a horror. It's a comedy. Yeah. And then they also said strangers meets Home Alone. And I was like, I'm sold. <laughs> the strangers. Yeah. What? You're home aloning him? <laughs> Yeah, I could see that. They couldn't. They shouldn't have used that. I no. felt that was like, a. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is like a, a pinnacle point of the film when he did Home Alone him. Yeah.
1: I mean, they again put way too much like every kill was in that movie.
0: Yeah. I saw another trailer that was only 30 seconds and this one was two minutes and I was like, uh <laughs> I'll do the two minute one, but it always ruins it.
1: We have to do trailers. We cannot do teasers. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you have thoughts?
1: Uh no, surprisingly I don't. So that's so it. So we're
0: skipping it. All right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um no, I do. Uh so the last movie we watched was The Lodge, right? Yes. And it did a really good job of making you feel for the kids and like, oh, this stepmom is so evil, the kids are so great and they're grieving, et cetera, et cetera. This movie did such a great job of making you fucking hate the kid. Like right off the bat, the conversation that he's having with his dumb dipshit friend, you're (laughs) like, man, I hate these kids and I hope they die. And then once it's revealed that the kid is the one doing everything, you already hate him. So it's just kind of like pushing this narrative of like, oh, that's why I hated him because he was a piece of shit the whole time. And
0: then it just gets worse and worse and worse. Yeah. And like. You
1: there's probably some people out there, not me, who go into a movie automatically liking the kid because they're a kid and they're innocent and all that (laughs) bullshit. But like I automatically hate kids. So people might need more work than me. And it did a good job of doing that.
0: There was something about the sleepwalking worry that the mom was explaining about how like he's been sleepwalking again. So we use this like pencil to keep tabs on if he's left his room or not. That to me made him seem more kiddish.
1: Yeah. That's because he's fair. also
0: kind of old. Like, he looks like he doesn't need a babysitter anymore.
1: And he uses the like womb sound effect thingy for white noise. So that's kind of like he's still a kid, regardless yeah. of what he's trying to do. At heart, he's still a kid.
0: But then boom.
1: Yeah. And then the entire time, like, he's just so sociopathic that. The f- like I felt vindicated not liking him in the beginning and then yes. during the like what you think is a home invasion like you almost kind of like him a little bit but then I'll protect you yeah and like the he's like kind of scared but then man's up to protect her but then the whole thing was false and I don't know I think I think the the writing did a really good job of making me immediately hate this kid
0: yeah. And if you didn't immediately hate him, you definitely would hate him once we got to the truth or dare scene.
1: Yeah. And we also like his parents aren't that great either. So you kind of get that feeling of like waspy. Yes. I have a point about that. Okay, then I'll skip over that. (laughs) Um, My second thought is all of that being said, um, I thought it was actually a really good touch to leave in or include his voice breaking so much. Um, like you can tell when he's trying to be cool, like, Hey, how's it going, babe? Want to drink this? Whoa. I lit this thing. But then every time he gets like stressed out or really angry, you can hear his voice break, Mm -hmm. which like on top of like, you watch this movie with the sinister sociopath. Who's like manipulating his quote unquote friend into helping him like murder and torture his obsession. Um, and like you kind of lose yourself in that moment where he's so conniving and so, Uh, thought out everything and then his voice starts breaking and it's like you're you're almost reminded that in addition to all of that stuff it's a kid yeah uh which i kind of i thought was in sort of endearing we've got
0: a lot of horror movies that take place in the holidays that revolve around the kids being the killers
1: Ooh, it's like they're appealing to us millennials who know (laughs) that kids would ruin our lives (laughs) um so yeah i i I thought because like every killer's got something right. Jason's got the kiki mama. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael's got the breathing.
0: Luke uh, has his voice cracking.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a character trait of the murderer. <laughs> I think it was pretty good. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just I that was one little thing I noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a third point. That is kind of off topic or a little bit meta, but a little on topic. So I watched a wired video about a trauma surgeon who reviewed all of the injuries in home alone, which was pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, And it included like falling off the stairs in the beginning, the burning their hand, uh, the electrocution in the second one, like all of them. Yep. But it also talked about the paint cans. And Uh, so what she said was that, at the best you could hope for is whiplash.
0: At best?
1: Like that's the best you could potentially that's hope like for. That's like the it, worst thing. Is some is some tissue damage of whiplash um, and having like an injured neck. But it could also, at worst, like crack your skull. Sla- oh, okay. Slap your brain up against the inside of your skull. Like shatter some of your vertebrae.
0: Yeah, fuck. Uh-uh. I thought you were saying like, that was like the best case scenario for the person doing it. Oh, for like, the
1: killer? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the best that the Home Alone kid could possibly hope for was Whiplash. That, and I was he, like, are you shooting me? Because then when the police show up, <laughs> he's like, I didn't kill anyone. I just Whiplash the wet bandits. Yeah. Um, I would posit to say that because uh, Ricky was tied down to a chair, he was not able to be flung comedically backwards. Thus, yeah. like locking his skull in to take more damage from the paint can.
0: It's weird that he doesn't actually fall over. Yeah, I he think just the force like, would make it. would make the chair fall over.
1: I feel like he has too much um, weight. Yeah, like, like his, sitting. Yeah. Uh, what's it called? the The center of gravity. Gravity is like too low down. Hmm. He's sitting, and it's like if anything, it would just take his head off. But um, I almost gave myself whiplash <laughs> doing the motion. <laughs> so the the whole argument between those two kids. Is moot because they should have just watched that Wired video that I watched. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I also, think Mythbusters literally does it.
1: Yeah, I think so too. They reference Mythbusters. And I think it like nearly takes the head off of Buster. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's probably one of those like creepy silicon things that they made <laughs> with like the real organs and stuff on the inside.
0: going to take a moment to talk about our socials and sponsors.
1: Drinking and screaming would not be possible without the support of Mad Lab Distillery. We love this Canadian company and all of their spirits. We're almost out because their stuff is so dang good. We use it in everything. You can get your own bottle at a private liquor store near you at madlabdistilling.com.
0: We also love After Dark Distillery, which is a local distillery near to our new location here in northern slash interior british <laughs> columbia with a wide range of flavored moonshines and other goodies available don't wait you can get your own at a private liquor store near you or at afterdarkdistillery.com you can follow us on instagram and twitter at drink underscore scream on facebook at drink and scream and you can email us at drinking and screaming at gmail.com
1: For more information and to buy some merch, go to drinkingandscreaming.com. We also would love if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcast or Podchaser. We're coming near the end of our season, so maybe getting some new people that can catch up on the backlog would be great before we get into the next season. So help us out with a review, please,
0: and thank you. Please and thanks, which also was going to be what I was about to say, that we have one episode left in our season five, and we will be back for season six. Do not worry friends, you haven't seen The Last of Us.
1: Let's go, 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 back to the episode. What? It's like ho, ho, ho.
0: Oh, okay. Go,
1: go, go. (laughs) Do you have any thoughts? I do. Oh, wait. Sorry. Wait. Before your thoughts. It's time for the real deal. How was that? What was that? I don't know. <laughs> my mom was on my ass again that I'm not putting enough effort into the introduction of this.
0: I'm excited for this one. I've heard she has told me that this is supposed to be excellent.
1: Oh, it's apparently in the tune of "Twas the Night Before Christmas. Good luck. So that's the and all through the house one, yeah, right? Uh-huh. All right, Let's see if I can do it. All right, this is the real deal. Better watch out. T'was the week before Christmas and both Kelly and Char had me watching a holiday thriller that I thought was subpar. (laughs) I think that's too many letters. Hey. (laughs) A typical slasher somewhere caught in between the Home Alone series and a B version of Scream. When all of a sudden my eyes, they got wider. Thanks to Lucas the Psycho and his ugly pet spider. It's uncomfortably cringy, disturbing and crude. If you walked in his house, you were pretty much screwed. Four stars is my rating for this comedy slash thriller. And a go women, I yell for the brave babysitter. Okay, the last one didn't rhyme, but I tried. Merry Christmas. That
0: was so good. That was great. (laughs) I love it.
1: (laughs) I was so focused on doing the actual thing that I didn't actually process what I was saying.
0: (laughs) But it was a good job. Yeah, Yeah, that was an excellent real deal. Thank Mm -hmm. you, Colleen. All right. Now, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'll just jump in with my additional thoughts since there was no, no mention of the assault scene. And I do want to talk about that because mm. it's a very interesting dynamic that happens that it, I think when it was showed to me on the screen, I was like, yeah, that's exactly so real. Yeah. Uh, so they've tied her up to a chair. Uh, n- this doesn't go too far. If any if any of you are, are worried about being uh, triggered by this content warning. But uh, groping does occur and they play truth or dare. And I think it's Garrett that dares him to touch her boob. Yeah. And that's how they word it. And Luke does it. he like totally gropes her. You don't see it in the shot. Uh, but obviously Ashley's pretty upset by it. And then Garrett wants the reciprocity of like, now it's my turn. Like you have to dare me to do it too. Mm-hmm. And it just... Like that moment stands out to me in this film because Garrett is kind of seen as the kid that's like he didn't know that it was Luke's idea to kill everybody and like do all this awful shit. But still, when he was presented with the opportunity of who knows how far that scene could have gone. Yeah. And he was like totally into it.
1: If they didn't start fighting, it probably would have been a bit worse. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because he was all he like wasn't seeing it as I've uh, Ashley is hurting or whatever. It's like literally, oh, I you got to touch her. Now I get to touch her. And yeah. It's this creepy. Like, I don't know, using of her.
0: And that was like the horror of the scene of this film for me. Uh, I thought it came across like very well done. And it was just real world. Society sucks. <laughs> yep, <laughs> But. I have to go back to the end of the real deal where there was a go women, which (laughs) my original first point was going to be a very strong final girl is featured in this film with Ashley. I really admired her wits during the home invasion section and how resourceful she became during the mass murder home alone (laughs) section. Uh, and I thought that the writing was really well done in terms of her commanding authority over every situation. It really reminded me of myself when I'm teaching musical theater classes to like seven-year-olds <laughs> when she was taking back control of the situation. But of course, none of my students actually tied me up with Christmas lights to a chair. So yeah, here's not, hoping. not the exact situation, but... <laughs> I did think that Ashley's, you know, the whole tone that she had, I'm trying to think of lines that she said, which were just verbatim things that I would say, like, make good choices and like, whatever. (laughs) And I thought that was great. But we also got to learn a lot about her goals and her values and her past and her future, which I really liked. She wasn't just the babysitter, Mm -hmm. which is something that happens so frequently in these sorts of films. So that was a a real pro for me.
1: Yeah. It was cool that you got to see that Ricky wasn't actually an asshole, which there therefore showed that her motivations of going to school weren't to like escape her abusive boyfriend or whatever, or Mm -hmm. you like got more of her, it was probably a hard decision for her to actually go to school. And like, she had to give up things and it kind of em- it empowered her that she was choosing her education over that.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we also talked about, you said like, it was very waspy. Yeah. His family. And I just wanted to point out that this film is such a huge perpetrator of the old ball and chain (laughs) slash heterosexual couples not liking each other jokes, which was like heavily featured at both the beginning and end of the film when the parents are leaving the house and when they come back. And I just why is this funny? It's just really not. Yeah. They also it gets into like being homophobic at the beginning. Like the wife is calling the dad gay and like, are you sure you never fucked a guy like (laughs) in college or whatever? And it's in such a degrading tone.
1: Yeah. I think it was supposed to make us also see the rest of his family was awful because like the kid just screams privilege. Like he's in this rich house. He's like, his, his like parents coddle him and give him whatever he wants. Uh, Like he s- feels super entitled to Ashley, like and it reflects on his parents who are clearly just your stereotypical rich wasp family. It's not even like, oh, I, I can totally see how Luke turned out this way. It's just like, man, they all suck. <laughs> they all just need to go.
0: And I don't even think Luke is a product of nurture. I think it's nature when it comes to like nature versus nurture of like the creation of psychopaths. Well, it kind of
1: implies that he only started doing stuff like this after his mom stopped like tucking him into, or like coddling him while he was sleeping. Cause he was talking to Ashley at the end and he's like, I used to sleep so well. My mom used to hold me while I fell asleep. Why doesn't she do that anymore? And Ashley's like, well, I know. And then he's like demanding that she tell him he's terrible or whatever. Yeah. So I think there is an element of like, he was definitely, given everything he could possibly want and whether the marriage is falling apart now or the mom saw something in him, he's now like turn, he's been activated as a sleeper agent to be this sociopathic asshole.
0: But there's also so many hints that he's, it's been growing. It's all the telltale signs. Like he's done torture to animals. Like he murdered his best friend's hamster and uh, like all these other things. It just grows. Yeah. So,
1: but if he was punished, it may have stopped. (laughs) I don't think so, but we can all agree that Luke's an asshole.
0: Yes. (laughs) Regardless (laughs) of how we got
1: there. Much like most kids.
0: <laughs> uh, and then my last point is that I, when I was finding some scaredy facts online about this film, there were a lot of positive nods online about the acting, and I just wanted to mention that there was something that felt a little off for me. Mm. Like a lot of reviews were saying, "Oh, and like great acting by the kids. Like don't expect too much, but this the acting is great or whatever." And I couldn't put my finger on what it was that was off. Putting to me. And it didn't ruin the movie, but there was just something about Luke's performance that just felt stilted to me. Mm. And did you feel that? I didn't
1: think it was stilted. He did give off the telltale signs of like a sociopath, like not processing other people's feelings and just kind of like freaking out if anything didn't go his way. Mm -hmm. What I got more was that his performance felt very musical theater. Like, his his physical acting felt like he did musical theater. He was very, like, dancey, and, like, his mannerisms and stuff felt very s- sort of musical, oh, I think.
0: okay. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. For me, I was going, like, maybe it's the accent, like... Because almost everybody in this movie is Australian. Yeah. But then, like, the performers are Australian, so I'm like, why did you all... Why did you set it in America? Why don't you just set it in Australia? So that was weird for me. But that is an interesting observation about the whole theatricality behind it.
1: Mm, A bit maybe more. Maybe Patrick Walburton didn't want to go to Australia, so they had to film it in America.
0: Or film it in America in summer or whatever. <laughs> it's all inside the house, basically. Yeah. Uh, But I guess the mass appeal of moviegoers, they were aiming for the U.S.
1: Maybe like waspy rich families like that style doesn't exist in Australia. And they needed, they wanted to tell the style of story (laughs) of the director
0: is American. Okay. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I thought he, I thought that he did a good job and I thought that him sort of feeling out of place with everybody added to the uncomfortableness of him being in control. Like everybody else was like acting straight and he was doing sort of like the musical theater live performance style. And I thought that sort of isolated him from everybody else. Yeah. Which just made it really creepy to watch him.
0: Yeah. That's I want to like, I don't disagree with you. I think that's accurate. But it was there was something that didn't just feel like it was meant to be like separating him from the group Mm. to me. It just felt less like it was like kicking me out a bit sometimes. That's fair. Of the, of the, the tension, but it didn't ruin the movie for me. And yeah. I had something that I'll still come back to. I bet.
1: Cool. Uh, that's it for me. I asked for so many tabletop books. I wanted just a bunch of different D and D books, maybe some other modules, like other games and stuff like that. For Christmas. I just, I just yeah, I just wanted a bunch of, of big old honker books, but I was <laughs> not good this year. So a horned, hooved beast landed on our rooftop and dropped just a soggy, fleshy tome in front of me that started screaming at me, which I guess is some oh. sort of ironic punishment of what I wanted and what I got. You know, you know how it goes. Yeah. But I guess it's time to open the record. Yeah. Oh, oh. Oh. Ah. Squish, 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 squish. <laughs> So my recommendation is the Advent Calendar from 2020. We just watched this. It is a French horror movie about a woman who gets a haunted Advent Calendar. Um, It's got some really cool concepts and a metal ass creature design. uh, That is the Advent Calendar from 2020.
0: Yeah, that is a good movie. And it's yeah, we watched it not too long ago, and I would watch it again. Uh, my recommendation is Anna and the Apocalypse from 2017, which I feel like one <laughs> of us has recommended before. But this is uh, another black comedy, dark comedy, Christmas horror. Plus, it's a musical, which is actually even more in theme with what Kelly was saying <laughs> <laughs> now. Uh, and that's Anna and the Apocalypse from 2017. It's time for. Ba-da-da! scaredy facts this is the part of our podcast where we invite
1: you into our holiday home after we just watch a spooky snowy movie and we want to calm down and read some trivia facts to realize that uh, maybe it wasn't a little kid actually killing a bunch of people and it was a bunch of actors and there were cameras and directors and stuff and it just makes it a whole lot less spooky
0: yeah With, uh, of course, this new IMDb restricting the budget information. It's been (laughs) a little tough, but I did some digging and I have very sad news that shocked me. (laughs) So the budget was an estimated three million, but the gross worldwide is only one hundred and seventy six thousand. Wow. Which is insane to me, which also now that we watch the trailer is making me wonder because you were saying there's so many f bombs, like how would they market this? And yeah, like, maybe I don't know. Like something happened. I'm curious. It wasn't a
1: bad movie. Like we watched it on Shutter, so I'm like, what was the distribution method of this? Like it was 2017 or 2016, so it was well before COVID. So yeah, who's to say maybe Shudder got it later after a terrible release?
0: I that's what I'm thinking. Uh, it's just, yeah, staggering to me. Uh, we sort of talked about this earlier, but of the seven key cast members, only Patrick Warburton and Virginia Madsen are from the US. The rest are all Australian actors.
1: Mm. Oh, yeah, that's right. Billy is Australian yes. from Stranger Things. I completely forgot. He does such a good, good douchey accent. American. Yeah,
0: <laughs> really good. All Honestly, all of them do. I wasn't. That was something like it didn't pull me out of the film when they were speaking. I didn't even know that most of them were Australian until I was doing research. Wait, even Garrett is Australian? Yes. Because he also does an American accent in The, uh, Visit. the Visit. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. This film contains, as we discussed, several references to Home Alone, including the in-universe discussion of the paint can scene, the setting that is in the suburbs of Chicago, Illinois, and the heavily featured Christmas carols, uh, as well as the spiders.
1: Ooh.
0: Despite the American setting, the sets were actually constructed with the 1.44 meter, which is equivalent to four and an, four feet, nine inches high door handles of an older Australian home, which the American writer and director, Chris Peckover called a source of distraction and frustration, (laughs) which I think the first time we watched this movie, I called that out as well, that it looked, I was going to say fucked up. It looked weird.
1: (laughs) I wonder if it was just that he, every time he went to open a door, his hand hit the door instead of the handle.
0: (laughs) You mentioned this to me, Kelly. Uh, The two actors who played Ashley and Garrett also starred together as siblings in The Visit. Oh, there were siblings
1: in that? I thought she was older or younger. I thought she was younger. Oh, yeah. Hey, I'm now looking at an image of The Visit. You're like,
0: whoa. Oh, huh, interesting. <laughs> which we have to do next season. I really loved that film. Yeah, that was good. And we went in with no expectations. This Not. is a tangent, but.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I went in with it's a uh, M. Night Shyamalan movie, so there had to be a twist. And yeah. It, spoilers.
0: <laughs> this film was originally titled Safe Neighborhood. And last, scary fact in real life, the actors of Ashley and Luke are only four years apart, which oh. to me was very apparent. Honestly, like it threw me off that they needed a babysitter for Luke. Yeah. I At 12 years old, I was babysitting. Like
1: I, I, that also might have come as well from the mom, like coddling
0: him. And- yes. Which means that I think they should have done a little bit more beforehand with the, the mom and dad, like handing off the house to the babysitter. I feel like that scene could have been stretched out. To maybe make us believe he needed a babysitter more than he did. But then on the other hand, the whole film or the start of the film is him trying to seduce her, which would have been weird if it if we were in the mindset that he really needed a babysitter. So it's a little strange.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A little weird.
0: Yeah. And then I have one last scaredy fact (gasps) that I didn't even write down. But uh, through our discussion, I remember uh, seeing this uh, uh, when we were watching for the first time, which is the scene where Garrett and Luke are discussing how to seduce women by making them scared. Uh, Garrett is actually playing a video game in the background. And usually in films, when video games are shown on screen, they're really badly portrayed like actors are just button mashing on a controller, but this film features the video game the forest, which Kelly and I have both played Mm -hmm. and it was very accurately portrayed uh, in the film, which I thought was interesting.
1: Garrett had so many items. His inventory (laughs) was packed
0: (laughs) (laughs) and that's it. Do you have a final thought?
1: I do. Um, I kind of think the movie was sort of a hit or miss again. I think it was one of those movies that before knowing the twist, it was a lot better. And then like, like basically the first viewing of the movie was really good. But then watching again, I was sort of just like thinking of, Oh, he did this. How does he do this? Et cetera. Uh Um, And so I think the twist adds a lot to the movie. I think the creepy vibe of the kid and sort of the like uncomfortable nature of his relationship with Ashley makes me not really want to watch it again. Yeah. But I could definitely like throw it on in the background during a party or something. And it would be Santa chill
0: to what I was going to say which is it's a fun Christmas thriller but I'd I'd watch it again in a casual setting but it's not something that I'd want to watch every year for the holidays. Mm-hmm. It's not as good as for example Krampus which I want to watch every year since we watched it for the first time. <laughs> I thought that was an amazing holiday horror.
1: Well, that's been Better Watch Out. Another movie about a kid that watched Home Alone and said hold my juice box. <laughs> Can we go three for three? <laughs>
0: Next week, we'll be wrapping up our Candle Night celebration by watching Into the Dark, New Year, New You from 2018. And remember, always scream responsibly. Ah! Thank you for listening to Drinking and Screaming.
1: Drinking and Screaming is produced and edited by Charlene Bear.
0: Our sound engineer and logo designer is Kelly Wright.
1: And it's hosted by, yep, you guessed it, Kelly Wright and Charlene Bear.
0: For bonus episodes, Patreon poll voting privileges, and exclusive rewards, become a patron at Patreon.com/slash and scream
1: Want a shout out? Review us on Apple Podcasts, and we'll read your review live on the show.
0: For more information, check out our website, DrinkingandScreaming.com.